Hello everyone, welcome to episode 8 and the final episode of Wind and Rain. Our next audiobook will be Ozzy's book Errata X80750. It's about genetic manipulation, galactic intrigue, space magic, and a series of mental health crises. It's fun, but in a sad sort of way. Remember, if you like this story, it's available on Amazon.com and www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. And be sure to check out Ozzy's new long-running story of the week posted on the homepage for your viewing pleasure. It's called Bad Company. It's a second-person experience with the reader playing a character named Burke. There's some drug addiction, some space explosions, a hot guy named Hoshi, a sentient space creature named Shori, so go check it out. Now, on to the story. Zaman stood outside the tree, glowing golden green with one hand on its bark. Brown skin, now rough bark. Lawn blonde hair was now pink as the blossoms around her, a crown of green leaves topping it. Instead of a white dress, a green tunic and golden belt wrapped around her waist. She smiled. Phoebe felt a little like she'd run a marathon and then got hit by a train, and she would know. But she reached out to the girl. She scraped against her actual skin. It worked, she said. It worked. Saman raised her arms and spun a little. It worked, Spring. It worked. Look. She ran to the world tree and rubbed her face against it. I can touch things. I can move. She pushed her hands out to Phoebe proudly. These are my hands, not just projections of thoughts. Mine. And nothing hurts. Thank goodness, said Phoebe. No wonder Idas went crazy, she thought. If he has to do this for every soul that comes down here, no wonder he's cranky. She rubbed her forehead. I'm so glad. And so tired. Wanderer, can you still show me where silence is? Zaman nodded, opening up her hands. I can take you to him. Still? Phoebe felt a little thrill of unease. I thought you wouldn't have enough power for that anymore. Zaman gave a lilt of laughter that sounded like wind chimes. I have so much, sister. Holding up a fourth of the universe is nothing. Ugh, said Phoebe. Then do us a favor and hold it all up so I can take a nap and beat my no-good husband. Another laugh. I wasn't joking. A memory. Silence, my love. Please stop harassing me to go on your little walkabouts. Phoebe waved her hands dismissively. I'm really not that interested. Silence scowled at her. You promised to help, though. There's a lot of good we can do for people. I'm sure a healer would be appreciated. They're dead, sweetie. Not much I can do with dead people. Phoebe put her feet up on the desk and rummaged through Silence's things for something to read. Don't you have anything fun in this library? So far all I've been able to find are reference books and literary texts. Don't you have a romance or some poetry around? Silence picked her feet up and placed them back down on the floor. No, I don't need romances or poetry. I need information that will allow me to bend the rules of time and space so I can wield magic better than anyone else. She could tell by the tense, tight phrasing that he was annoyed with her. She smiled to herself. She liked annoying him very much. She put a little extra languid in her pose and dramatically flung her arm over her eyes. Silence, I don't want to go to see all these poor people. I don't care if they need help being reborn or whatever. I can't remake them. I can't heal most of them. And frankly, listening to their stories is just depressing. Who wants to listen to a bunch of miserable, can't move on to the other side or the other realms because I'm so emo? 
I do, he said through gritted teeth, and I thought you were going to stay here. If you're going to stay, you're going to work. I don't have any use for a freeloading flirt with too much time on her hands. Aw, pouted Phoebe. I thought you liked me flirting with you. She flashed him a devastating smile. You know you have fun. Don't be such a bore. I am not a bore. Fine, stay here and be selfish. See if I care. I'm going to go out and do something productive. She slipped off the chair with languid grace to sit in front of him, to stand in front of him. I can think of something much more fun than magic to do for the next couple hours, she said, drawing her hand down his neck and appreciating the infinitesimal quiver of flesh that followed. He slapped her hand away. No. No? She put her hands on her hips, feeling real heat and indignation flushing her skin. You should be grateful I'm even here, Shadow Man. There are a dozen men who'd be on their knees in gratitude that I'm sharing my time with them. I don't have to be here. Then leave, said Silence. I don't care. If you wanted just a physical thing, get out. I told you that's not what I wanted with you. I wanted a partner, a friend, something long-term. Something long-term? A friend? She laughed out loud. Me? With a pencil-necked virgin mage too scared of his own body to do anything more than what I tell him? She stuck a finger in his chest. How dare you tell me to get out? Don't touch me, he hissed, grabbing her wrist. Or what, she jibed. You'll tell me what a bad person I am? You'll cry? Everyone treats you as you, though you're this big, all-powerful mage, but you know what I see? I see an insecure pretender with delusions of grandeur. I see a boy pretending he can do something he doesn't have the first clue about. Silence's eyes were fixed on hers, and she could feel his aura building around them both. Indigo black shadows spiraled from the earth around his tall frame. I think you don't know what to do and are looking for someone like me to tell you, she continued, wanting to push him, wanting to see what he was capable of, and feeling a little delicious thrill of anticipation watching his face. Is that it? Or maybe you're just so incompetent you want someone else around to clean up your mistakes. I'm not incompetent. No? She leaned closer to him. Then show me something, Shadow Mage. Why should I help you? What's your vision? Do you even know what you want? Get out of my way. No. Those ribbons of indigo black exploded around her, punches, punching holes through the stone that she bound up with roots, blocking his escape. What now? She said, laughing. I just want to see what you can do. Is that so much to ask? Yes, he said, spinning shadows out of himself and drawing the room into total blackness. Phoebe felt him wrap around her and yank her into the depths of the rock, speeding through stone. She liked that even though she'd picked this fight with him, he still had curled himself around her and her magic so protectively she couldn't feel the scrape of the rock on her skin or how fast they were moving, only the shadows around her. He brought them up somewhere in a rocky plain. Ghosts of light moved through gray mists. It was empty and dead. What's this? asked Phoebe, keeping her hand in silences and feeling the death echoing up her heels. Purgatory, he said, breathing deeply. The shadow realm. Phoebe shivered. I much preferred fighting with you in the comfort of your library. Why are we here? You told me to show you something. He captured a small bit of mist in his hands, pressing his face into it as if smelling a bouquet. Suicide. Excuse me? He held it out to her. Teenager. Suicide. She's forgotten her name and why she's so sad. All she feels is pain now. If we leave her like this, she'll turn into a wraith and go hunting mortals. Here. 
He handed her the small bit of soul. She looked at him with raised eyebrows, but took it in a comforting aura of gold. What do I do? He shrugged. I don't know. Sometimes I can't do anything, and it's kinder just to destroy them. Other times, they can tell you why they hurt. He captured another bit of mist, breathing its story into his brain. Whatever it told him, it made him smile slightly and murmur something under his breath. He knelt down, melting his fist into the earth and drawing up a body of clay and stone, a body that gradually formed to show a tiny black boy with feet too big for his frames and odd, sad tattoos of teardrops under his eyes. As she watched, silence touched the mist to the new body, and the two flared purple-black. The boy grew black wings and took off towards the west. He looked at her, smiling. He was murdered by a family member. I told him to forget it and wash in the river Leith. He'll get reborn into a kinder world. I made sure of it. A blessing. She looked back at the mist in her hand. What am I supposed to do, though? I'm not a shadow mage. He sat down, staring at her expectantly. Well, I have no idea, but I have a good feeling about it. Phoebe stilled her thoughts, matching her own mind to the bundle of self-hate and pain sitting in her palm. Time seemed to slow, and she felt tremendous stillness hold her motionless, waiting, and in a flash she understood. Taking the ball of misery into herself, she unwove it, transmuting it into clean, bright light. She changed its color, its rhythm, its nature, matching the movement of the stars and planets, changing it from shadow into starlight, from death into spirit flinging it back into the great reservoir of magic and eternity itself, burned clean with her own green-gold essence. She opened her eyes. Silence was staring at her, jotting something into a notebook. Interesting, interesting, he said, nodding. Transmutation into its magical life essence. It's fascinating. It's like the void for rebirth. Energy alteration done with a green spell. How wonderful. She sighed and sat down next to him. I wanted to pick a fight with you so we could have really hot makeup sex and get to spend the day not working. Silence threw back his head laughing. Was that what that was? I thought you were just being especially selfish today. No more than usual, I'm afraid, she groaned. Silence, you are no fun if you don't lose your temper sometimes. Where do you put all that? She jokingly checked his collar and looked down his shirt. You have a special spell to remove irritation? He chuckled. No, my temper, I don't get to lose my temper anymore, for any reason. So now I just find it easier to look at things logically and problem solve. Ugh, she lay back on the hard gray gravel and put her hands behind her head to stare up at the flat, monochromatic, shifting mist that made up this realm. It was awful. She was bored and afraid of it, just seeing it. That is so frustrating. I know you have emotions. You have to. Where are they? How can you be so disciplined all the time? It's distinctly annoying. Sorry, he said, not sounding sorry at all. Since I have you out here and willing to work, do you want to try another few spells for these people? He gave her a winning smile. I would love to see what else you can do. Oh, fine, she said grumpily. Make me a good person. See what happens. I was just trying to get laid, but no. I end up falling in love with the damn paragon of virtue and responsibility who doesn't even give me the satisfaction of angry sex. <sighs> A terrible taste in men. He stopped. You love me? Hmm? Of course, she said. Why else would I still be down here? But you called me an incompetent virgin. Well, you were. 
I am impressed with your learning curve, though. She gave a long-suffering sigh. I really just didn't want to do anything today but lounge around, and then I thought it'd be fun if I saw you mad. I don't get mad. Liar. Everyone gets mad. Not me. He made a small hum of happiness. You love me. Don't let it go to your head, Shadow Man, she threatened. I'll just stick around until you get predictable, and then I'll leave. Hmm. Then I guess I'll just have to stay a little crazy, just for you, he said, smiling sweetly at her and gently clasping her hand. I want you to stay for a long, long time. He squeezed. She blushed and pulled her hand loose. I'm so glad you're motivated. Now can we please knock this out so we can go home? I'm already hungry. Chapter 10 Are you ready, little brother? asked Hyperion. He was smiling, as usual, holding out his hand for Idas. The little boy immediately grabbed it. Where are we going today? Ah, ah, today is a big day, my small apprentice. Today is your first day going to the realm of shadow. Do you remember what that is? Idas has to run a little to keep up with Hyperion's big strides as the older man led him out of the workroom and up towards the tower. Idas felt a little thrill. Hyperion hadn't let him come to the tower yet. He felt taller and would have tried to imitate Hyperion's dignified look if he hadn't had to jog to keep up. He glanced up. Hyperion's face was its usual relaxed, anticipatory smile. His enthusiasm for magic and learning was contagious, and Idas wanted to impress him. Idas screwed up his face. Of the nineteen realms, he quoted, six have direct connections with the mortal realm and are influenced through both magical and natural forces. These are, respectively, earth, water, air, fire, void, and life. Void may also be referred to as shadow or death, depending on cultural norms. There's also a plane of metal that many magical traditions consider part of the fire realm, but some treat as its own entity. Hyperion stopped in surprise, tugging the little boy close to him and going to a knee so he could look Idas in the face. Idas, did you memorize that from our talk last week? Idas nodded. Remarkable. Can you do that whenever you want? Idas nodded again, feeling Hyperion's approval like warm sun. Sometimes, when I think I'm about to hear something important, I say start to myself, and there's a little click sound in my head, and when I'm done I say stop, and another little clicking sound, and then I can remember it perfectly. Idas! How clever! How wonderful! What a clever boy you are. Yes, today we will be visiting your, and my, realm of power, the Shadow Realm. Hyperion laughed to himself as if excited by the thought of doing magic with Idas and stood again in a fluid single motion at odds with his academic exterior and strode up, to the, stair up the stairs again. But I thought you said I was an earth mage, little Idas said, tugging at Hyperion's hand, concerned but still glowing at the compliment and wanting to seem mature and thoughtful. I can't have two, can I? Of course you can. You can balance two realms of power earth and shadow. I have even known some mages who can balance three. Those are called green mages, by the way, and they are a very special breed. Can you imagine three realms of power? Remarkable creatures. Anyway, it's just a matter of befriending those elementals and letting the power flow through you. Those with multiple realms of power of influence tend to be very, very strong. They have to manage more. Hyperion winked at him. So we need to make sure you are nice and grounded so that you don't make any bad decisions with all this power, huh? Okay, said Idas, absolutely clueless about what was actually going on, but eager to share whatever Hyperion wanted him to do. 
Do you have more than one realm, Hyperion? Me? Oh, goodness, no. I'm a shadow mage through and through, which is good for me because death is a jealous mistress and I have a tiny heart. Mistress? Hyperion coughed. <clears throat> well, we can talk about that when you're a little older. But for today, magic, shadows, your first toll the dead and spare the dying spells. Doesn't that sound fun? Everything Hyperion said sounded exciting. Idas felt his own spirits rising every time Hyperion talked, filled with eagerness, hope, anticipation. He clapped his hands together, feeling safe and trusted as Hyperion and he reached the tower. It was a tiny room, open to the sky and ringed in white marble. A simple Doric altar stood in the center, unadorned. Hyperion motioned for Idas to follow him as he stepped into an inlaid circle on the floor and fearlessly cut open his palm, dropping blood on the surface of the altar. Idas held his breath as he felt something in his mind tear in two, just like before. That night, but he shied away from the memory as Hyperion smiled back at him and made little come-here motions. Give me your hand, little brother. Idas looked at him suspiciously. Yes, yes, I know it looks very impressive. This is the old way. The easy way of going to the realm of death. Have no fear, my young apprentice. When you get a little stronger, we can do this without the blood. Now, my dear boy, your hand, please. Idas stuck it out and closed his eyes, screwing his face up against the pane, only to feel a tiny pinprick from Hyperion's knife. He cracked open his eyes to see Hyperion place a single drop on the altar and wink at him. So dramatic, little one. Have some faith in, have some faith in me. A little goes a long way. And behold! Please be sure to be impressed, Apprentice. I've been looking forward to showing this to you for a long time now. Hyperion placed the knife at chest level over the altar and drew down towards the ground. The air split, severed perfectly, glowing emerald black and parting like strange translucent fabric to reveal a cosmic wonderland. Planets, nebula, stars swirled in the blackness, and even as Idas felt his eyes open in wonder and awe, he also shivered with the deep, overwhelming cold. Wow, he breathed, staring into night, into what looked like a river of stars shining brightly. Hyperion, what is this place? Hyperion draped a thick cloak around him, hugging his shoulders a little, and Idas was grateful for the warmth. The void, my boy, or the shadow realm, depending on which person you're talking to. I prefer this vision of it, but it's Castor's choice. He sighed happily, staring at the hole in the air as if it was an old friend. This particular manifestation is called Shibalba, the afterlife of the Mayan people, and it's my favorite, as I said. Though there are many other visions that we'll explore here. We're going in there? Ida shivered, and it had nothing to do with the crushing cold. How? Hyperion laughed. Courage, my lad, courage. We will jump in and swim, yes? Oh, this is my favorite part, said Hyperion, ushering him towards the rift. Do not worry. The spell has your blood in it, so it won't destroy you by accident. And up we go. Hyperion hefted the boy's up, boy up into his arms. Wait, the spell could eat me? That can happen? Of course not. Not with your trusty master here to save the day. In you go, my boy. And Hyperion threw him into the darkness, following after lightning quick. Phoebe was wandering in what had been her garden, the one Idas had built for her all those years ago, the one she knew he'd built based on a concept of the Milky Way as seen from Earth, with the river Styx as stars 
and each outcropping of the shadowy alcove a place for light and fairies to congregate and fill up the darkness with a spiral of color and magic. It was all dead now. She knew she should be resting or with Judas at the mirror or doing something useful, but she wanted to be here, slowly restoring the lives that Idis had ripped apart. Zaman's world tree had sunk its roots deep here, and the garden was responding to it, and to her. Little shoots of subterranean flowers and bioluminescent fungi had already established themselves on the tree itself and were working their way outwards. Phoebe was helping them along, spinning golden mist that lit along the dead skeletons of the trees, shrubs, and fungus, teasing whatever life she could back into them. The alcove had become something like what it once was, but it still made her sad. Something had disturbed her, breaking the trance she'd been in, feeling the living things accelerating and growing around her. Something that itched, no, burned. My tattoo, or Silence's tattoo. She pressed a hand against the chrysanthemum on her ribs. It ached. And as she opened her eyes, a flood of tiny moonflowers sprayed towards her, a veritable blanket leading up into the ceiling, a ceiling that was now the Milky Way and the devastating cold of the void, of him. Thunder, ocean, hurricane, she screamed in her mind. He's here, he's in the garden, he... The garden disappeared, and she floated in space, in blackness. I don't know if this is Hyperion's mind or Idis's soul, she thought, feeling the freezing cold numbing her arms and legs, shortening her breath, and she shivered, hard. Her exhale came out as ice crystals as she bound herself up with pine bark instead of skin, closing her blood vessels and lungs protectively in the frigid vacuum. She could see the others floating with her, as if crossroads had simply been banished, and there were only four, no, five of them, and arms reach away. Faceless? What's Faceless doing here? Thunder had pushed himself in front of him, as if they'd been surprised to find themselves floating in the black of nothingness instead of doing whatever else it was. Phoebe's throat felt tight, no, clogged. She was pretty sure she knew what was coming next, and she was not looking forward to it. She was not disappointed. Materializing out of the darkness, she saw long, distended limbs covered in gray-brown flesh, limbs that bent the wrong directions and elongated in a way that screamed evil in giant red letters. A torso, lined in fur with a segmented whip-like scorpion tail, materialized. Black wings crowned out of shoulders that were too broad and much too powerful to be human, capped in iridescent purple-black scales of a black dragon complete with horns and a savage face ringed in teeth and wreathed in acid she could smell from twenty paces away. Its eyes lighted her and her, and it screeched in welcome, resting lightly on its powerful, stretched, clawed arms and demon legs. Wife, it hissed, I missed you. It gave another ear-splitting shriek in what she belatedly understood was laughter as it waved one of its claws at the overwhelming darkness. You like what I've done with the place? Contractor gave me a great deal. Stop this, she said, not amused. She could feel ocean and thunder moving to flank it. Go, she whispered. I will keep its attention fixed on me. Do what you must. The thing waved a claw at her mockingly. Naughty, naughty, forest daughter. I can hear you too, or don't you remember? It snapped its fingers, and a shell of indigo black shimmered around her. Dark tendrils punched through her bark skin, drawing her living essence into it, draining her, incapacitating her as it turned its attention to ocean and hurricane. Ocean couldn't pull any liquid water to them, only ice. 
A huge shield had formed around him in Hurricane, but she couldn't use it in her storm. Phoebe could see it was taking too much time to build, and Ocean didn't have enough material. Trapped in the shell, she couldn't hear the shrieking winds or the percussive hammer of Hurricane's force. And I never thought I would miss that sound, she thought, shuddering in the grips, uh, grip of Silence's spell. She flooded her skin with golden magic, trying to make herself slippery, but the tendrils buried themselves deeper when she released her armor, and she couldn't escape. Meanwhile, Silence was laughing again, deep belly laughs as he flung indigo-black bolts of power at the two, jeering at them. Is that it? Is that what the famous leviathans can do? Hit me with some ice? As if this was a cocktail party? I live in ice. I am ice. He smashed his malformed claws together and a wall of purple flame engulfed both the water mages, punching through the ice shield and decimating them. Instantly their bodies aged, skin sagged, bones broke. Their magic was consumed instantly, leaving them broken, shambling skeletons. No, screamed Phoebe, wrapping her fist in golden ironwood and punching through the shell, ripping the tendrils out of her with her rage. You will not do this, Idis. The thing's eyes rolled back towards her as it felt the recoil from the broken spell and as, as, it ten, as its tendrils shot back into it. Idis isn't here anymore, he said. Sorry for the trouble. And then another long, mad laugh as he turned the purple flames on her. Thunder called out a series of spells. Geometric patterns lit up the dark like beacons all around silence. White lights exploded on every side of him, and a huge shining circle snapped up around the creature, holding it in a huge complex containment spell, rippling with energy and power. At its touch, silence reared up, shocked, feeling pain shooting through him as thunder followed up with metal bolts fed to him by Phaistos and lit with electricity, plowing through silence's body, tearing bloody holes through him, holes that simply reformed and remade themselves with more purple shadows. Silence laughed harder. More, Thunder. You will have to hit me much harder than that. You poor son of a bitch. Always afraid to die. He smiled at the big blonde man. Don't worry. I'll make it nice and slow for you so you can enjoy the experience. I know how much you like it. Thunder didn't respond, weaving another series of containment spells with complicated gestures and another thin thread of metal support from Phaistos. Silence slammed his fist against the binding containment right where the geometric, geometric patterns interlocked, slammed his fist into it and held it, sparking electricity and black flames to erupt as he put his weight behind it. His dragon mouth opened in a scream of exertion, and he pressed deeper and deeper into Thunder's spell, and the white light flared to contain him. Phoebe flung a restoration spell at Ocean and Hurricane and twisted her own fingers into twining golden vines supporting Thunder's containment spell. First one, then a hundred, she called vine after vine of golden magic from her soul, augmenting it with a purification spell. And it almost worked. For a moment, Thunder's white light shone clean and bright, powerful against the shadowy black flames licking at them. And then, a tiny crack, a tiny flaw somewhere in the pattern, and Silence's fist punched through, igniting her and Thunder and Festos in twisted black. Like living things, the ribbons tore at her skin, running up her legs and arms, burrowing into her. With a shouted word of power, Phoebe froze her bark, letting the cold of the space fill her up and drive out the black flames from her skin, watching them disappear back into the dark. Dimly, she could see the same shadows circling around wounded ocean and hurricane. 
With another word, she opened a rift and sent a long vine to push them out, out of the Shadow Realm, back into Yis, safe. She turned back to see silence gathering shadows to him in a long purple stream forming a sword, a sword that seemed to suck up thunder's light, a sword that seemed to not be seen, as if even her sight was swallowed up in it. Silence himself was obscured with twisting shadows that made him seem as, as if he was a piece of night, a terrible visage come to life, striding through space in a mirage of movement and confusing patterns that made Phoebe faintly nauseous to follow. One clawed hand snapped around Thunder's throat, only to have a silver-bright blade punch through his wrist. Festos. The metal mage tried to limp into a better position, but ribbons of darkness flowed from the wound in Silence's hand, slipping up his legs and around his arms, flooding into his mouth as he screamed, or tried to. Thunder disappeared, transporting himself to Faceless's side, out of Silence's grip, and enfolded his arms around the other man, again disappearing in a flash of light, to reappear next to Phoebe. Ouch, he whispered to her as the two appeared, both breathing heavily. From this close, she could see his skin marred by black blotches spreading deeper into him and extensive burns on Festos. She pressed her lips against his forehead as she put a hand on Festos's head, exploding outward with the most powerful healing spell she could think of, amplified by the physical contact. A storm of golden wind swirled around them as her radiant elemental extended its wings and encircled all three. Black marks disappeared, exhaustion disappeared, Thunder and Faceless were restored, and Phoebe went to her knees. Good trick, said Thunder, watching Silence's scream of frustration as he turned black ribbons toward them. Faceless, I need something sharp, please. Pointy bits. Faceless flung him a long sword, tinged red silver, that Thunder electrified with white light. As each black ribbon shot towards the group, Thunder severed them and called out a containment spell, coating each in a starburst of light. Ha-ha, he shouted. How about that, you egotistical fuck? He seemed to almost be enjoying himself. Bring it, you bastard. Bring it. Uh, Thunder, maybe you should shut the fuck up, hissed Phaistos as Silence's flames suddenly went still. The smith mage took a step away from Phoebe and Thunder and rotated his shield down from his back, pressing his hand over it so that it became a mirror and promptly set himself behind it. Thunder gave him a disparaging look. Don't be such a wuss. Look, it's... Silence struck. The darkness of space itself folded around Phoebe and Thunder. It liquefied. It split them apart, holding each in a cage of absolute blackness, filled with the most anguish, self-loathing, fear, and disgust Phoebe had ever felt. She couldn't see Thunder. She couldn't see anything. All she could feel was the most powerful urge to die, to stop existing, to sleep forever. And she knew with certainty that it was coming from Idis. She could feel her own magic corrupting, drowning in self-hate, anguish, feel it crawling down her throat like liquid despair, feel the madness pooling in her spirit, consuming her from within, eating out her insides. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, as if someone had scooped out her heart and poured it full of nothing but pain. She may have moaned, clutching her heart as she felt it start to fail and the darkness tightened around her. I'm dying. Something is killing me. She screamed into the void. Thunder shouted another word of power, drawing the nothingness closer to him, letting his lightning reach out to it, only to see black shadows swallow it up, flooding, back at it, flooding it back into his hands. 
He desperately tried to cut the spell, tried to pull back, but watched in horror as his white light faded and the black started creeping up his fingernails into his skin. He could feel it pulling him into it, disappearing, dematerializing him. He slammed his fists together, blasting the contamination, the shadow, trying to overwhelm it, but the black just ate the fire as well and spread further. Thunder could feel it reaching inside of him, ripping him apart from the inside out. He frantically scrubbed his hands, linking his fingers in patterns for purification, banishment, anything, but still the blackness crawled up his skin and into his heart. Phaistos, he shouted, feeling terror chewing him up as it burrowed into him. Phaistos, run, run, get out, we cannot fight this. If Phaistos was safe, maybe it would be okay, maybe. Run, please, God, run. Don't be ridiculous, Sky King, said Phaistos tucked behind his brilliant mirror and reflective armor, sending the long ribbons of rust red into the dark, weaving something that Thunder couldn't see. I'm not going to leave you. He sounded comfortingly calm. He didn't look at Thunder, and Thunder couldn't stand the gnawing, clawing terror now consuming him. He screamed as it reached his elbows, screamed as he felt tendrils penetrating his brain and his heart and his lungs, screamed as he felt shadow eating him from the inside out. Thunder? But Thunder couldn't hear anymore, couldn't see anymore. His eyes were black, pupils and viscera reflecting Hyperion's reeling galaxies, not their steel-gray normal color. He could only scream until the blackness lit up his blood vessels with fire, pulsing through his skin, reaching down to his vocal cords and dissipating them. Thunder! Phaestos threw his staff at Thunder. Seconds before it would hit him, it expanded into a perfectly clear, mirror-bright egg, completely encircling the other man, cutting him off from Hyperion's mad mind and from Silence's attack. He called a thin metal wire from the shield back to him, wrapping it around his waist and pulling him into protect, pulling him into protect Thunder as he morphed the shield back into a single mirror between the men and the Silence Hyperion creature. Thunder had fallen. Though Hyperion's mind didn't have a ground anymore, Thunder floated, broken and vacant, eyes staring at nothing, reflecting the wheeling cosmos in beautiful iridescent colors in dead pupils. Phaestos put his own useless body under him to see his eyes and see the black scars that reached around his face and form. Shit, he said. He bent Thunder's face toward him, turning his chin back and forth to see the damage as he held the shield tighter against both of them. Phoebe, he called, knowing that she probably couldn't hear him. Thunder is hurt. I have to take him out of here. But there was no answer. In the shadows of Hyperion, he couldn't see any of the other mages, couldn't hear anything. There was only broken thunder and the ever-still silence around him. He put his free arm around thunder, morphing his shield into a feather-thin wire lit red-white and sent it winging back towards his forge, toward the anchor he'd built for them, and felt it catch and hold. A bolt of fire-red heat surged back towards him from the forge, filling him up, burning away the blackness as he lit him and thunder in a wreath of flame, thinning them both to plasma and air and retracting the wire back to Etna, back home, safe. I'm sorry, Spring, he thought as his spell rocketed them home. I'm sorry to leave you with this, but I can't watch it happen to Thunder. I'm sure she'll be fine, he comforted himself. She's much stronger than me. I'm sure she'll be fine on her own. His flame wings wrapped more protectively around broken Thunder, cushioning him against the force of the contracting spell. I just couldn't... I'm sorry, Spring. Not when he was trying to protect me. 
There was a jarring jolt, a slam that rocked Faistos in thunder and made Faistos cringe and clutch more tightly against the other man, pulling him into his chest as he let go of his fire wings and again became a cripple, this time sitting in his cold forge, covered in soot and debris. He reached out a hand and his anvil liquefied, flowing towards him, extending to create a stretcher for thunder that he slowly retracted out of the belly of the forge, dragging his useless leg with him painfully. Thunder's skin was too pale. Instead of golden brown, it was sickly transparent, littered with black lines and the same empty dead eyes reflecting space instead of Thunder's usual temper. Faistus ignored the sick clutch that sat in his guts at the sight, swallowed hard and forced himself to touch the ice-cold flesh. It's as if he's already dead, he thought, shivering in revulsion and dread. Please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. He rested his hands on either side of the big man's face and sent warm rivulets of flame into each section of the surviving capillaries, burning out the blackness, chasing it away and warming frozen blood and cells gently with tiny pulses of heat. But there were still gaping holes. Thunder's hands and arms were gone. Faceless could feel an emptiness in his heart. Cold, frozen emptiness was still there, even if Hyperion wasn't. He took a deep breath and tried to control his shaking hands dimly coming back from the inspection of what was left with thunder. It's okay, it's okay, I can deal with this, he told himself over and over again. It's not thunder, it's just a spell, it's just a bit of magic, right? And I love experimenting. He limped to his chest of treasures he'd collected over the years, opening the top and digging through to find the living spell of healing Spring had asked him to place on Silence's armor. I doubt I can heal him, but maybe I can remake some of him? That might be, to be enough. It might be enough. Please let it be enough. He found his reference magic book, reviewed the spell, closed it, and sat, feeling his heart hammering and short, terrified breaths rippling through his ribcage. Oh, God. Thunder lay cold and still on the table, empty torso still oozing blackness, shadows dripping like blood onto the floor, leaving no trace of themselves. If Faistos looked just right, he could see flank glimmers of white light sparking through, faint glimmers that were starting to fade even as he watched. He hobbled back to Thunder, grabbing one of his thin, sharp knives from the chest, looked down at the other man and sighed. This is not going to be pleasant for either of us. Please don't die until I can finish it. Faistel stoked the forge with a thought, a familiar warm spell he'd invoked every day since he was old enough to walk. Flames lit up the small room, and he seemed to feel all his creations comforting him as he took his knife and sliced into his own ruined leg. It tore through wire muscles and lit him up with agony as he shaved off pieces of the almost living metal flesh trapped in his still soft body, using his magic to draw up the wires, reform them, melt them, and remake them into longer, leaner strands, strands gifted with Spring's restoration spell in every atom of the crystal as he warped and stretched them to fit his need. They twisted like wild things, like snakes or insects, in his hand as he pressed his other palm to the wound, biting with hot flames from the forge, closing it with familiar pain that no longer felt that unpleasant to him. He laid half the wires where Thunder's right arm should be and half near his left, splitting and remaking the strands capillary by capillary, following the faint traces of white light to show him where bone should be, where muscle was, where a nerve connected. His delicate touch varied the spell and the density of the metal for each need, soldering each together as a whole and moving to the next as if he were lightning or electricity leaping from node to node, quicker than thought, quicker than light itself. 
Show me, he offered that white light. Show me what you need. I will follow. Metal glowed rust red, liquefying, solidifying, filling up all the places the darkness had stripped away. Arms formed, hands and fingers, in the same broad palms and same strong bones he remembered. Burned blood vessels were coated with quicksilver and iron, turning black rivulets of destruction into living highways of mercury. He reformed skin and organs, filling up each space between his own red mercury metal flesh, even remaking Fender's heart. With delicate magic tendrils closer to roots than metal wires, Faistos followed the white light pattern lit up in his mind's eye, tracing the shape of Thunder's heart, his chest, his ribs flowing up into his eyes. Instead of the horrible blackness, he filled them with pure silver, tempering the color to remind him of storm clouds over a dark ocean, the way he remembered Thunder's eyes. But Thunder didn't stir. Exhausted, the last of the metal used up, Faistos felt tears of hopeless frustration start, but he scrubbed them away and called another whisper-thin streak of forge fire to his hand. Find him, he whispered. Light up the dark and tell me where he has gone. The flame leapt out of his fingers and buried itself in thunder before seeming to settle in his chest, in his heart. Let me see, he asked the flame in his mind. Let me see what you see. Instantly, he was the little spark, hovering in a great cavern. He could see frozen blood, frozen flesh around him in the places his metal couldn't reach, and a ball of white light, so dense and so small, buried deep in the twisted flesh, almost as if it was hiding. Faistos sent the flames through Thunder's body, warming it gently, reheating every inch of it with delicacy, and gentle red flames that spread. He could see blood flow, flesh start to bind and heal, and the great silver heart pump once, twice, again, and a rush of white light filling, expanding, taking over its new body. Faistos dropped himself out of the link and returned the spark to his forge. He watched Thunder take a breath, and another. His flesh turned gold and silver as Faistos's metal blood vessels and flesh stood out against his old skin like brilliant, intricate metal tattoos. His new silver arms flexed, fingers expanded, and he opened quicksilver gray eyes. He lurched up with a cry, grabbing Faistos, raising his fist as if to punch him. Faistos was too slow. All he could do was place a hand over the one caught in his shirt and stare wide-eyed into the blind fury that was Thunder, awake. But Thunder didn't strike. He held still for a long moment until finally... Faistos? Is that you? He released the smaller man and seemed to be trying to see his hands. I can't see... Exactly, and my hands feel odd. Why? Thunder's remade voice box sounded like deep, resonant bells, metallic but ringing and harmonious in a way that Faistos imagined angels might sound. When Thunder's fists left him, his shaking legs and exhaustion wouldn't hold him anymore. He stumbled backwards, losing his balance and painfully slammed into the wall of his forge to slide down. In exhausted reaction, his whole body shook, and he leaned his head against a bent knee, trying to take deep breaths and not burst into the tears that were earnestly trying to pour down his face. Faceless? said Thunder again. What have you done? He didn't sound grateful, noticed Faceless. He sounded angry. Figures. Rough hands dragged him up to his knees, and he gasped as his legs seized and yowled in protest. What did you do to me? Thunder shouted at him. I saved you, Faceless spat back for once losing his temper. Hours of terror and worry rumbled around him and he threw it back at Thunder. 
I remade you, you fucking asshole, when you went into the void. Did I ask you to do that? said Thunder, shaking him for emphasis and causing another spasm in his abused leg. Did I want you to bring me back? Why? Why would you do something so stupid? I told you to run, not to save me. I did run. I just brought you with me. Can't you be happy? You're here. You're safe. For the moment. You're whole. Why can't you accept anything from me, even your life? I should have died there. I didn't need you. Another shake. Don't you think I knew that when we started this? I should have been there for spring, for silence, for all of you. I could have done it myself. You were dying. It's my life. I didn't do it for you. Faceless lost whatever composure he might have had, letting the tears flow full force and shaking thunder right back, knocking him into the work table and twisting his body so violently. He had an absent thought that he probably wouldn't be able to walk tomorrow. I did it for me. I need you. I want you. It's not about you, asshole. I wanted to keep you alive. Why? came Thunder's anguished reply. Why couldn't you just let me go? I love you. I've always loved you. I love you so much I can't stand it. And you never even look at me, roared Facebos. And I'll be damned if I never get a chance to know you. He couldn't help it. Eons of loneliness and longing roared through him, and he slid forward on his knees to drag Thunder to the ground, pinning his back to the work table, clamping his mouth down on him, feeling magic roar around them as his forge reacted to his need and wrapped them in fire-red heat. Only Thunder didn't push him away. The hard shove and beating never came. The pain never came. Arms came around him instead, deep in the kiss, pull him closer, and supported him as Faceless leaned against Thunder's knees and stretched along his chest as the other man helped straighten his body and ease the strain on his leg, drawing him in and softening, gentling the moment. Faceless broke away, staring at him with shock. I thought you hated me, he said. You never looked at me. You couldn't stand being in the same room with me. Thunder sighed and nudged Faisos to move his hands so Thunder could turn him and settle the smaller man's back against his chest to hold him more easily. I never hated you. But just be quiet for a moment. I'm processing. Faisos shut his mouth and let himself rest against Thunder, reveling in the rare sensation of not being in pain, if just for a moment, inside or out. He let his head roll back, braced against Thunder's shoulder, and let out a sigh of relief as he could stretch his leg out properly. I just didn't want to hurt you, said Thunder finally. And I didn't want to get hurt. You were always different, special, important. And I'm, well, I'm a pig. Yes, agreed Phaistos. He could feel Thunder's frown. You didn't have to agree so quickly, he said miffed. Give me the illusion that you actually like me. Faceless linked one of his hands with Thunder's, partly in comfort and partly to inspect his craftsmanship. I do like you. I love you. But you're a pig. You know, somehow I'd always fantasized about this going differently, muttered Thunder. More sex, less recrimination. You're nicer. Faceless chuckled, feeling his good humor restored, and turned the hand over so he could trace his fingers along the new flesh metal and watch the nerves and muscles contract in response. Me too, but as Master Silence says, the world is an imperfect place. I'm just happy you were fantasizing about me. How do you feel? He traced Thunder's new arm up to the elbow and felt the other man shiver in reaction. Can you feel that? Yes, Thunder said. How? How did you do this? 
Spring's greater restoration, my ruined leg, and a confusing mass of spells from a water mage that I've never been able to use for anything useful until today. He twisted so he could look up at Thunder, checking his eyes. Can you see? Sort of, Thunder replied. I see all the wavelengths of light, I guess. Everything is so rich or intense. It's like my magic reaches out and touches everything and then reflects it back to me. Ah, said Phaestos, suddenly deeply content. I did a good job. Yes. Thunder rotated Phaestos's chin back towards him, giving him another deep kiss, working his other hand under the redhead shirt. I should thank you properly. Phaestos gasped. Thunder, shouldn't we... Nope, said Thunder. If I've got 15 minutes to live, I'd rather be doing this. He flashed a lightning quick smile that made Faceless's insides turn over. Besides, to hear it from you, you've been pining for me for decades. I gotta put you out of your misery. Fair, started Faceless, only to feel Thunder undo his belt. And I don't want to waste these new hands you've given me in fighting. We should test them on something much more sensitive first, said Thunder. Hurricane woke up in agony. Her skin was on fire, again. Everything ached. It felt like someone had taken a bite out of her in every way. She moaned and rolled over to see Ocean next to her, both floating in one of the workrooms at Yis, safe. Spring. She shook Ocean, dragging him to the side of the pool and up onto the rocks. Wake up, wake up, wake up, we have to get back. But he didn't wake up. She slowed down to see his body was desiccated, shriveled, old. She felt a horrible shiver start at the base of her spine. She leaned down to listen to his heart. Nothing. Healing, 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 she thought frantically. What restoration spells do I know? She dipped her finger in the water and drew the most powerful healing glyph she could remember on Ocean's skin, letting turquoise silver power flood through it and pulling him into the water so he could help her, if there was anything left of him. After a moment, her turquoise silver flared with midnight blue and Ocean's body glowed, turning with cool colors. As she watched in relief, his skeletal features eased, his normal bronze-brown color came back, and he opened gray eyes that looked at her with their normal contentment and control. She pulled him in so she could cradle his head in the water. You gave me a scare, rain god. Hmm, so I did. I'm sorry, my dear. He pulled more water into his body, transmuting it to flesh and firming up his form. Without the spell from spring, I doubt you and I would be here. We have to help her. Yes, we do, but how? He opened his arms a little helplessly, letting water tink softly down into the pool. Are you able to open a gate to the Shadow Realm? I know I am not. Zaman. Zaman? She can cross any realm she wants, any time she wants. We have to go get her, bring Spring back. Ocean stared up at the ceiling. Treasure, how can we get back to Crossroads? We need Judas or Silence to open the way for us. They're the only two that have access to the World Gate, to Zaman. Hurricane made a wordless growl of frustration. I don't know, but Chaan, we have to do something. Silence, Phoebe screamed. You have to stop. You're killing me. Please don't do this. There was no answer. Trapped in the dark, she could feel herself unmaking, disappearing into the nothingness. I will not die this way, she said, gritting her teeth and standing through the agony and the shadows flitting through her. 
stealing pieces of her soul. I will not die in a cage. Not here and not now. Idas, come and face me, you coward. Anger made her glow golden, building her life force, her power, stripped down to nothing here in the dead void. She swirled her hand around her head, gathering any remnants of energy or of herself drifting in that nothingness, and slammed her fist into her own heart, exploding the enclosure around her with a golden aura that pulsed, emanating from her chest. Liquid power detonated out in all directions, punching through the darkness, expanding in a growing field that lifted, lit up the night in brilliant golden light. A rain of cherry blossoms followed. For a moment, instead of Hyperion's great void, her light shimmered on a meadow bathed in moonlight, a field of flowers, a forest where nothing ever died. Her gait shimmered in the dark as she stepped into her realm. She stood there, breathing in the scent of the living, feeling power rush back into her, driving away the emptiness and healing her from the inside out. Phoebe? Idas's man looked at her in confusion. Where are we? My home, she said, breathing deeply again, ignoring the shock of him following her into this realm. He must have been closer to me than I realized, she thought. She was grateful that he'd followed. This is someplace you don't belong, she said. No, he said, turning to take it all in. So beautiful. He looked down at his hands. Am I... Am I real here? Nothing hurts, so I can't tell. Phoebe pulled him into her, pressing her face against him in relief. You're real. This place heals all wounds, restores all things. You're safe here for a little while. Oh. Oh, Phoebe, I'm so sorry. She could feel his body shake with tears as he slid down to his knees. I never meant for any of this to happen. I just, I just wanted... I know, I know. She locked her arms around him. Him, her husband... The man, Idas, not the twisted thing killing her. I'm sorry, he said, eyes infinitely sad. I didn't love you enough. He pressed her head closer to his heart. She couldn't feel it beating. I didn't love any of them enough. I guess I can't. He knelt in front of her, leaning his head against her midsection, trying to hide what she saw was his chest opening up into Hyperion's nothingness a black hole of loneliness and sadness. I wasn't strong enough, he said, shaking his head as the blackness started to consume him, spreading up his throat, down his arms, until his hands and face were all that was left as her realm rejected him and he was pulled back to Hyperion. I'm so sorry. Please, Phoebe, please forgive me. He looked up at her, arms still around her waist in abject despair. Please, I don't deserve to live anymore. I don't want to live anymore. I'm so sorry. Just please forgive me. Around her, she could see the realm of eternal life starting to falter, starting to dissipate in Idas's overwhelming need. No, no, Idas, don't go. You don't have to go back to the dark. Stay. I forgive you. I forgive you. But I can't forgive myself, he said, wiping tears from his eyes. What have I done? He looked at his body, slowly being absorbed into the black hole. Phoebe, I don't deserve to exist anymore. No, stop. You can fix it. She clung to him tighter even as his form altered and shifted, darkness swallowing up her gait, dispelling the life realm, drowning her in the same despair and self-loathing. Isolation and self-hatred smothered her. 
She groaned, realizing that silence had done more than merge with Hyperion. He embraced it. He had started it. You can't just give up, she whispered, trying to hold him even more tightly and knowing it was useless. It's okay, Phoebe. I'm sorry. I won't fight anymore. Hyperion and I will disappear. You can put the veil back. We won't fight you. He stood, brushing his hands across her face. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. I'm sorry for everything. He leaned his forehead on hers, letting darkness envelop them, drawing it into himself, letting it consume him, and gently pushed her away. No, she cried. She gripped his hands as the darkness pulled him into itself. No, you're here. We can fix this. Let go, Phoebe, he said. It's okay. I can survive just a little longer. I'll break us apart. I'll disappear. I'm sorry I wasn't good enough. I'm sorry for everything. He disappeared, swallowed up in the void. Not even a hint of his magic was left, nor Hyperion's. Nothing but the bitter sway of stars and planets and nothingness, as even her spells were swallowed up with him. No, no, you can't. Idis! The words were tearing out of her, edged with a shriek of desperation. I can't do this by myself. You can't leave me. His hands were faded from hers, black climbing up her fingernails and skimming along her own arms now. A long, heartbroken scream of terror, defeat, and failure ripped out of her, her throat as she watched it. You can't, Idis. You can't leave me. You can't leave me here. Come back. She couldn't even cry, held in the icy darkness. Come back, she whispered, covering her eyes with her hands. Please, Idis, please. For a moment, she was held still in the formless, rotating darkness of shadow. I'm going to die here, she thought feeling the cold numbing her, the emptiness draining her life and her magic, just like it drained and ate everything. It's just a matter of time. For a moment, despair won, and then something occurred to her, and she started to get angry. Wait, why am I just sitting here? What the fuck is wrong with me? Leave me? He can't leave me. It's against his own goddamn rules. Through her tears, she seemed to see him to spring wavering in front of her. You can't. Her voice changed as she realized what she'd read. Hope filled it. Hope and determination and anger. No, Idis, you physically can't. She snatched the illusory book out of the darkness and mentally flung it at him. I do not release you, you bastard, she screamed in command. Idis, you are bound to me by fucking contract. Your life is mine until I release you, and I refuse to release you by your own vows, Hell King. Come back to me. You will not do this. Nothing happened. Then, from the opening hole of nothingness in front of her, she could see dark purple whorls start to start. There was a long, sickening sound of tearing metal, and indigo-black flames ignited around her and the black hole that had been Idis in a silent cacophony of color. Swirling eddies of magic pulled bits of him from the void, reforming him back in front of her. Moment by moment, he came back together, whole. Tears traced down his face as he let his fingers brush against his own wet cheeks and looked at them in wonder. He leaned his forehead on hers again, and she couldn't help the relieved laugh come cry that pulled matching tears down her face. You finally read your marriage vows, he said, smiling at her. It's about time. I told you they were useful. She threw her arms around him, crying in relief and exhilaration. You cannot leave us with this mess. You are here to stay. I don't care if you're sad. I don't care if you're guilty. I will stand over you every moment of every day until you fix what you broke. How dare you leave me with this mess? 
Phoebe, please, you'd be, I'd be better off without you? Is that what you're going to say? Is it? You son of a bitch. She slapped him and then pulled him back in for a hug. We love you. There is no one in the universe that can fix this because no one is as dumb as you are to break it in the first place. How dare you think of yourself this way? She shook him a little bit for emphasis, noting that snot and tears were coursing down her face in thick streams. There are literally hundreds of people who would do anything for you, and you have the nerve to say that you don't deserve to exist. What is wrong with you? She snuffled a little and wiped her face on Ida's because she could. You don't get to destroy the world because you're a little sad. Another shake. You killed Hurricane and Ocean and all those people, and I had to bring them back and go visit my mother. How dare you leave me alone with that? You're coming home, you're taking responsibility, and by the way, no one likes hearing I told you so, she yelled, and the swirling darkness that was Hyperion began to unmake itself as Idas's magic returned to him. Is that understood? Yes, ma'am, he said, holding her face with his hands. I'm so sorry I didn't ask for help or realize what you were trying to tell me. He closed his eyes and pulled her back into his chest so he could rest his head on her hair. Phoebe, I'm... If you say I'm sorry one more time, I'm throwing you back into the void, she said grumpy. Quit being sorry and start fixing shit. Crossroads is ruined. The mortal realm is in shambles. Judas is up to his eyeballs in needy dead people and my garden is wrecked. You have to stay and fix this, she said, because I'm already bored with this much responsibility and looking forward to a vacation. But... <sighs> all right, all right, I'll help you, but just because you're cute when you're begging... She eyed him suspiciously. You are begging, right? Yes, ma'am. Good. She closed her eyes in contentment. I'll want you on your knees later. Is that understood? Yes, ma'am. Something that could have been the ghost of a chuckle escaped from him, but it was gone too quickly for her to pin it down. But Phoebe, Hyperion... What about Hyperion? She cracked an eyelid warily. He's still here, and he's still my friend. I can't just leave him he said, craning his head back as the darkness subsided. Phoebe looked up at his face with his eyes closed in pain as he watched Hyperion starting to disappear into himself. Her own happiness dimmed. There's nothing left of him, Idis, she said as comfortingly as possible. He's just a force of nature now. It's okay just to contain him. No, he's still in there. I can still feel him. She wrapped her arms more tightly around him. Section 1.2 in your vows specifically says that I have equal say in all your long-term future planning, so if you're planning on merging with him again, I do not approve. She looked down at her with sad, serious smile. No, but I need to do something. Here. He gently unwound her arms from around him. Idis, she warned. We have to contain him anyway, right? Well, what about me? What about you? He touched his chest. I can hold him here. That spell you made for me, the one in the armor to contain the darkness. You could put it here, and I could keep him safe. You could bind him and me. No. Phoebe, sad black eyes pleaded with her. He was my friend, my brother. Please don't make me give him up. This is a bad idea, Idis. I just got you two split up, and now you want him back? She felt tears starting again. Why? Aren't I enough for you? Why can't you just let him go, break him up into pieces, and fling him through the universe? Why do you have to keep a piece of him? Ida grabbed her hands. You are enough, but Phoebe, please, can't you understand that I've only ever had you two? I'm so selfish, he said, drawing her close and whispering against her. I can't give up anything I've ever loved. 
My heart is so small, I can't help but think it will collapse if any of my people leave. Please, Phoebe, don't make me destroy him. She could feel her insides melting with him staring at her, long lashes still holding tiny teardrops, and she felt a long, disgusted sigh burst out of her. Fine, fine. Hold still and don't distract me. You owe me, Shadow Man. Let us be very clear about this. She raised her hands, calming her mind, remembering the spell. He leaned down to press a quick, intense kiss on her lips, distracting her. I know it. I'll write it up officially when we get home. She narrowed her eyes at him. Good. I'll be reviewing all of your contracts from now on. Is that understood? Yes, ma'am, he said, ducking his head down and pressing his hand against his heart. Thank you, Phoebe. Oh, shut up and hold still, she said, cranky but touched. My cup runneth over, she thought, feeling generosity and love filling her up inside. Stupid Idas, wasting all this time. Gold mist flowed out of her fingers, wrapping both of them in gossamer ribbons. She remembered Faceless's joy and she imitated as she imitated the shape and color of his spell, delicately molding and forming the dahlia around Idas's heart in blue indigo tattoos, even as she reached for Hyperion, letting his blackness churn and spin around her other arm, spinning it deep into the heart of the flower and pinning each of the reflection spells at its petals, feeling the same resonant sounds and music joining into the framework until the whole thing rang like a bell and filled up her senses. Thank you, Faisto, she thought, as she shrank it to the size of her fist and pressed it against Idas's chest. As he did, he went to his knees and threw his head back, letting his mouth open and chime with the same bell-like tone of the spell. Phoebe looked down his throat and saw all of Hyperion's galaxies, planets, stars, contained in an ageless, eternal cosmic ballet. It rang for a moment outside of time until the spell set, and then sound stopped. Idas came back to her, closing his mouth and looking up at her. Phoebe, he said, pressing his head against her torso in relief and exhaustion. She held him close, and she sank down to her own knees to match him. You so owe me, she whispered, as the void faded from them, and they were again kneeling on the familiar cobblestones outside of crossroads. Epilogue Thunder threw himself next to Phoebe, absently stealing a piece of her cake that Demarcus the cook had made special just for her, sitting unprotected next to her on the soft grass. She glared at him. He grinned back, letting her see crumbs stuck in his teeth and started making obnoxious chewing noises. Where's Ghosty, he said. With Judas, dealing with the backlog. A lot of dead people. She sunk her hands back into the soil of the garden, feeling magic pooling in her fingertips and creeping along the organic nooks and crannies, filling it with potential, gentle growth, life. She's still sulking? She lives in a perpetual state of sulks, Phoebe said, trying hard to focus on the spell just for a little longer. It's a damn useful trait, so don't knock it. She's got enough guilt to keep me from having to work for a couple decades. Please don't ruin this for me. Thunder chuckled. Phoebe opened her eyes to see her generative spells settle into the newly blossoming garden. Zaman's world tree shimmered in pink blossoms framed by climbing moonflowers. Luminescent mushrooms, vines, and purple flowers fed on magic and earth. Trees with long, willow-thin silver branches hung around the river, stirring it gently with the occasional leaf. Fairies again flit through the plants in sparkling colors. Looks great, he said, lying down so he could put his hands behind his head and watch the graceful sway of leaves and branches in the movement of the river. Whisper soft winds of soul energy in aurora colors gliding past. 
His odd, blank, silver eyes reflected the colors in strange ways that Phoebe rather liked. She watched him for a moment. Why are you here, anyway? She let her magic weave into a series of resonant spells to augment the growth patterns of the baby garden. Shouldn't you be with your new boyfriend? Boyfriend. Ugh. Please don't use that word. Why? Because it's true, and it implies that I'm now a committed monogamist, which I find intensely disturbing. Don't get me wrong, Faceless is great. If you have to pick one person to be stuck with for eternity, he's the best, but seriously, eternity is a really long time. Besides, what am I supposed to do with him? He keeps asking my opinion on stuff and wanting attention. Why? She smiled. Thunder, you of all people, you should know what to do with him. Yeah, okay, but after that, he scowled. I had no idea it was so uncomfortable to actually sleep with someone. Phoebe snorted. You know what they say, bad sleep is a sign of a bad relationship. He didn't seem surprised. Well, sure, it's my first one. I'm sure I'll be bad at it. Faceless doesn't seem to mind too much, though. He paused and then muttered as if to himself, How does he put up with me? Faceless is special, she said, absently throwing leaves into the river. And he's loved you for forever, so just lie back and let him do the work. Isn't that the truth, sighed Thunder happily. Man's a genius. In the forge or the bedroom? Yes. <laughs> she tapped his metal forearms. I like the new look, by the way. Beautiful work. How do they feel? He pulled them out from behind his head and held them up in front of his face, admiring. Great. They're even more sensitive to magical energy flows. My spells work even better than before. God help us, Phoebe snarked. Does this mean you're actually going to start trying? Hey, I'm the fucking Sky King lady. I don't have to try. I'm naturally gifted. Good thing no one lives in your realm except for elementals. He stuck his hands back under his head and sighed contentedly. Mount Etna is right there, and the Dawn people are right next door. It's a pretty place. You and Silent should come up and visit, take a vacation, relax when all this is done. We will, she said, surprising herself, suddenly wanting to feel the wind on her face in the press of sunlight. I can't let Silent sulk too much longer. It's bad for her. She glanced at the never-ending gloom around her. And she's been in the dark too long. She needs to get out more. Good luck. I've been trying for years to shake her out of her funks. You can give it a shot this time. Well, I do have a secret weapon. He gave her an appraising look up and down. Yes, you do. Green mages are tough to say no to. You guys just have this aura that screams, fuck me. She threw leaves at him. Asshole. It's the truth, though. And all the greenies I've been with have been, hmm, inventive? Creative? Energetic? You're a pig. But yep, that's why I picked a lover that can change shape. Really spices it up. She gonna stay a girl for a while? I hope so. It takes her forever to make a new body, and she blew up the last two. I don't mind if she has to stay in this one for a while. She's hot. Shut up. Go bang your own mate. Mine's busy catering to my every whim. There's some great advantages to hooking up with guilty, lonely nerds. They just bend over backwards for you. Phoebe gave him a significant look. If you know what I mean. He laughed. Love the nerds. They're so grateful for the attention. They love you back tenfold. Beautiful creatures. So this is where you've been hiding, came a new voice from the path, coming up along the river. Silence was looking for you for a little while A little while ago. She said... The hurricane stopped as she stepped into the newly healed garden section. Oh, wow, Spring. This is beautiful. 
Phoebe smirked a little, smug and satisfied, letting her eyes follow Hurricane's. I know, pretty good, huh? Amazing. Hurricane walked slowly towards them, letting her fingers run through the plants and letting soul colors pool in her palm before they slid down to the river, a dark ribbon of iridescence moving through the plain. Lovely. Thank you, said Spring. Hurricane threw herself next to Thunder, poking him. Move over. You have the best grass bit. Nope, he gave her the finger. Selfish asshole. Murderous cunt. Fair enough. Spring, honey, Ocean and I redid the world gate to Yis this morning with Zaman, and Silence and Zaman finished connecting the veil to all the realms, and I just finished your water systems with Magda. The house is almost livable again. The city, too. Just came online. She let out a long sigh. I hate honest work. It's so exhausting. Ocean practically hums while he works, as if he enjoys it. What is wrong with him? Let me hide here until I'm recovered. Good work, warrior, chuckled Phoebe, stretching out on her stomach to run her hand through the river and press it to her forehead. All that delicate magic had flushed her and her skin felt hot. The Ice Queen will be appreciative. I'll make sure I update it in the journal. Hurricane smiled at her. So she's got you doing the books now, huh? Like, on purpose? Can you even read nonfiction? Don't you break out in hives or something? Phoebe flicked some water at her. Hey, I'm responsible now. My last incarnation was a downright bore, a military doctor and everything. I feel like I've made huge steps in my intellectual development in this lifetime. She stuck her nose up in the air as if affronted. I can manage stuff, sort of. Thunder snorted. Manage like a car wreck. Silence shouldn't let you anywhere near her records. Shut it, Blast-O-Man. I'm helping. Uh-huh. Hey, if Silence is going to be a girl for a while, aren't there going to be two Hell Queens? Is this like dead people and have two mommies now? I think Silence will keep the Hell King title. Makes things easier since she jumps around so much. She's hot, said Hurricane. I'm glad she's a girl again. Phoebe gave her a hurt glance. You too? Seriously? Has everyone wanted to get into Silence's pants all these years? Have some compassion here. Hurricane shrugged. Everyone wonders about the quiet ones. What can I say? She kills me a couple times. I get turned on. We all have our kinks. She sniffed a little as if offended. It's not like I would do anything about it. Ocean is more than enough for me. Thank you very much. But it doesn't stop me from admiring. You should go back to your disgustingly functional and healthy marriage, said Thunder, and quit ruining the curve for the rest of us. Oh, yes, Hurricane said, turning to him. How's your newfound married life going? Thunder groaned. It's perfect. I hate it. He's too good for me. Yep, said both the women simultaneously. You didn't have to say it at the same time, he muttered. Oh, Spring, Phaestos has your new wind chimes ready when you want to head down to the forge. He had to start on pipes or something bullshit, but finished your special. He glared at her. Silence has him doing all kinds of things that he's utterly wasted on. Are you telling me you can't find another metal craftsman anywhere? No, Silence just likes his stuff the best. She thought about dunking her whole face in the water. It's so hot. Well, it's a waste of his talent, Thunder continued. He'll recover. I may not. He hasn't been paying attention to me at all since we've been doing the rebuilding projects. He even has me doing electrical wiring. Thunder gave her a pleading glance. Electrical work, Spring. Like a laborer. He opened his palms. These hands can crush cities, destroy worlds. I wield the power of fire and air through arcane means bought over a lifetime of suffering and pain. 
and he has me installing electrical conduit and linking up the city in the mortal realm as if I was some sort of fucking construction worker. I have never seen you work this hard, agreed Hurricane. He must be a good influence on you. He moaned melodramatically. I'm suffering the torments of the damned. My heart bleeds for you, said Phoebe dryly, but thank you for helping. Thunder rolled his eyes and stared back at the trees. I'm cowering here until you people forget that I'm a mage and Phaestus is done being productive. Oh, you're a mage? I thought you were just a delinquent who occasionally got lucky. Hurricane grinned at him. Fuck you. No thanks. Phaestus might object. He seems like the possessive type. Ugh, why is it so hot in here? Phoebe thought. Her skin felt it was like it was melting off. It must be all these growth spells. I'm generating a lot of power for them. I need an ice blanket or a glacier maybe to lie on. Hey, Hurricane, what would happen if I were to jump in the river sticks? She eyed it appreciatively. It looked refreshing. Hurricane looked at her in surprise and then at the river. Well, probably nothing, as long as you didn't swallow the water. I mean, you might get some weird soul on you. There's a lot of energy in there migrating to wherever Silence sent it. I don't know. Why? I'm boiling to death. She could feel sweat beating on her face and running in rivulets down her neck. It's so hot. Oh, my God. Hurricane opened her mouth as if to offer an opinion, but was interrupted. It's probably all those creation spells, said Thunder, intentionally cutting Hurricane off with relish and grinning at her glower. I've heard they ramp up your metabolism to support the accelerated growth and form. The other woman glared at him. How would you know about creation magic? You just blow things up. I'm hardly an expert. Although, not like it takes an expert for creation. Just breathe on it and let it go, right? Pretty much, said Phoebe. Oh my god, I'm dying. Anyone have a bucket of ice they can throw on me? Both laughed. She got to her feet. I'm going to go find something cold then, you two. Feel free to hide here until our overachieving, overly responsible other halves decide we're done being selfish. Try not to kill each other. She staggered toward the house. The new crossroads was less gothic than the old version. Silence had insisted on keeping the formal Corinthian columns and Greek architecture of the original, but Phoebe had thrown a fit about it being too boring. Silence had relented, and now the place had a much more Italian villa feel. Instead of white, empty limestone, Silence had used, red, warm, had used warm red brick and sandstone, pink granite, and had broken up the stories and wings with open-air corridors and vaulted windows. Twin staircases twined around the entrance, which was now extended into the courtyard, framing the world gate that shimmered like a mirror fountain. Vines and plants hugged the house with giant roots, and broad branches were aflame in all the colors of the sunset draped over the buildings. Spring's location spell of moonflowers had taken root on the roof, covering it in white, giving a whole effect of a violet sunset on snow. The mage-light ribbons arching along the ceilings of the underworld glowed in shifting, amber-warm, aurora-light light completing the illusion. She paused to admire it for a moment. Instead of cobblestones, the new courtyard was pink granite, inlaid with Zaman's transport spells and Silence's careful handwriting. Spring hesitated to appreciate the delicate curving lines of each realm's symbol in the stone that glowed with power when someone stepped on them. Now the entrance to the city was an arched gate carved from native stone bearing Spring and Silence's magical sigils inlaid in bronze and bound with all kinds of spells that smelled vaguely like wind and rain. Hurricane's protective spells, I would imagine. She had to stop as another wave of heat overtook her. I'm vaporizing. Ugh, spontaneous combustion is a thing. She walked up the stairs, turning to the north wing. 
the place of receiving, Silence's place of judgment. The long corridors still looked blank and a little empty, but shadows flit from place to place, and solid little earth elementals seemed to be doing strange and productive things all around her. Silence had a plan and had obviously given instruction. It made her smile. The main doors were open and she strode through, feeling just a twinge that she wasn't in something a little more commanding instead of her soft cotton t-shirt and a flowing cotton skirt, barefoot. Oh well, it can't be helped. They can just be impressed with my stunning good looks and overwhelming charisma. Judas, in the middle of reading something to the current group of souls, choked on whatever he was saying. To your knees, he said instead, show respect for the spring queen. The dead and dying crowd, spirits, paused. There was an awkward shuffling as people reattached limbs or tried to gather themselves. She moved through them, smiling, letting her golden mist erupt from her skin and settle on the arranged parties, a general healing and restoration spell, which made her even hotter. Oh my God, it's so hot. Ugh. But it pleased her when she saw smiles of relief and delight start as she passed, trailing flowers and soft plants in her wake theatrically. Silence better cool me off soon or I'm going to explode and ruin her pretty new reception room, she thought. Mistress, Judas hissed when she was close enough. Mistress, please don't disrupt proceedings. We have hundreds more to get through today, and all those plants are going to root in the stone. It's going to make a mess. Phoebe waved him off. It'll be fine. This room needs a little life. We're done for now. But Mistress, she gave a significant look to silence. The woman sat behind a half-desk. Journals piled up in front of her as shadows diligently recorded her judgments and the comments of Thanatos and Judas. She was in her usual black suit, but the jacket was off. Her shirt sleeves were rolled up. The shirt itself, mostly unbuttoned and untucked, hung around her, wrinkled and untidy. Her boots and slacks were covered in dust. Her hair hung lank and still around her, as if it was even too tired to twitch. Circles ringed her eyes, dark highlights for her tooth-pale face. She held herself stiffly and blinked slowly, as if exhausted. Phoebe put a finger to her lips to stop Judas's comment. Shh, I'm calling it. Everybody out of the pool. Silence has been awake and working for a week straight now with no break. She's done. But, bye, Judas. Bye. Go find something else productive to do. I'm stealing her away for a while, she said, smiling and giving him a little wave. She floated up to the dais where Silence sat, in fatigued immobility, seemingly barely able to stay upright in her chair, and forcibly grasped the other woman's chin, forcing her to look deep into her eyes. Hi, she said. Silence gave her a relieved, slightly befuddled smile back. It was obvious she hadn't even seen Spring until forced. Mentally, Phoebe shook her head. She's too tired. Hi, Silence said back. What are you... Immediately, Phoebe surrounded herself in showy fireworks of golden energy, pulling shoots and flowers from the floor of the audience chamber, exploding the room in a burst of living abundance. Moss and trees spiraled from her hands, shrouding the dais in a glade of evergreens, grass a boreal forest erupting from her palms as she felt the energies of the room swirling around her. The crowd ooed and awed. Somebody clapped in appreciation. Someone else shouted her name. She flung another burst of golden mist through the crowd, enjoying the murmurs of awe and gratitude. The spring queen, it's her. She's so lovely. Of course I am, she thought. She thought she heard Judas's sigh in exasperation and could almost feel Silence's eye roll at the theatrics behind her. What? The girl's got to keep her reputation, and I've been out of the game for a while. She smiled benevolently at the souls in front of her, willing them to look at her, admire her, preening under the attention. This time she could definitely hear someone behind her groan slightly. You are such a ham, Silence whispered, 
no harm in loving yourself a little, but you wouldn't know a thing about your great stick in the mud. She kept her face still, peaceful, beautific, ignoring her grumpy husband. You're just jealous that you lost your fun gene about a million years ago. Ladies and gentle beings, said Phoebe loudly as she came around behind silence and put her arms on either side of her slender shoulders, trying to soak in some of her coolness to heat Phoebe's overheated skin. Oh, my blessed ice queen, thank goodness. I'm going to lay on top of you until I suck all that coldness away. Forgive me for delaying you. Life, however, will not be denied. She waited until a couple small chuckles at her terrible joke subsided. I am so sorry, but further judgments will have to be suspended, she nodded to Judas. Until we can call you back, please enjoy the gardens and the city. We're honored to have you with us and will attempt any and all hospitality to make you comfortable while you wait. Judas will escort you to your accommodations and provide for any needs you might have. Please don't hesitate to ask him your questions and share your concerns with him. She smiled benevolently, feeling Judas's irritation burning a hole in her side. No one moved. She cleared her throat and then said slowly and distinctly, I'm so sorry. Perhaps I wasn't clear. I've been away from home for a very long time. Let me try again. Get out. She turned to Judas with a raised eyebrow. Get rid of everyone. We're done. I need silence for a while. He bowed. Of course, mistress. Everyone, if you will please follow me. Silence frowned at her. Spring, you can't just... Phoebe tilted Silence's head back against the chair so she could press her lips against her husband's. A deep kiss, letting her flood Silence with all the extra energy and heat, burying it in Silence's never-relenting coldness, now even more intense after absorbing Hyperion. Phoebe dumped all the excess magic and energy into her, filling up the emptiness. Silence's hands tightened on Phoebe's wrists as magic and love and healing flooded into her. Phoebe released the kiss and watched in amusement as Silence blinked in shocked pleasure for a moment. Her dark circles were gone, and her skin lost that too transparent look. Phoebe smiled down at her. Finally! Ice Queen, you're done. Up! She moved around to Silence's front and pulled her from the dais, towing her towards their new quarters. Maggie! Maggie! A dark head popped up from around the corridor as Silence and Spring strode through the secondary exit toward the family ring. Wing. Mistress? Are you helping Judas right now? Yes, ma'am. We have... Great. Don't let anyone bother me or the master until I come find you. Is that understood? Maggie gave her a brilliant smile and a mock salute. I hear and obey, mistress. Good. Spring towed harder on silence, making the elegant woman stumble slightly as she shouted back to her hellhound. Our rooms are done, right? Yes, ma'am. Another toothy grin. Just had the castellane stock them, too. Have fun. Good girl. She could feel silence tugging on her hand, trying to fear free her wrist leaning as if she wanted to pull back but couldn't quite bring herself to. Spring, this really isn't appropriate. We have work. There are a number of... Oh, shut up, Spring said, moving through another set of two empty corridors and up to the top floor. I hope Silence gets the rest of the decorations in soon. I hate living in an empty box, she thought. She sighed dramatically. I'm burning up. I require something cold to lie on until I'm not so fucking hot, and you're it. She threw a smile over her shoulder at the taller woman. I require attention, Master Silence, attention that you have not been giving me in your attempt to get Crossroads back online. And while I appreciate how hard you're working, I require your presence now. It's rest time. She stopped in front of another set of double doors, these beautifully inlaid with precious stones in a world tree motif, sculpted from bronze and living metal that seemed to move and flow beneath her hands. 
Oh my, said Silence, reaching out to touch it. Asos does beautiful work. How did you manage? Spring shoved her through the doors and started stripping off her clothes. Admire later, naked now. Close off, Ice Queen. Cool me off. Phoebe lay with her head on Idis's chest, tracing the chrysanthemum tattoo that had re returned to Idis's skin with Hyperion's binding, black and gold from her throat to her hip and back again, finally comfortable. But she couldn't hear, hear her wife's heart. Idis? Hmm? What are you thinking about? Nothing. Phoebe grimaced. Are you sure? Yes. Idis paused for a minute and then seemed to understand that Phoebe wanted to talk. What are you thinking about? Your pretty tattoos and how we match. Phoebe used Idis's hand to trace her own golden black, golden purple black chrysanthemum. It's like wedding rings, you know, since you never got me one. Oh, I am sorry about that. Yeah, they are very pretty. Idis stopped talking. Another endless pause went by. How are you? Are you okay? Phoebe braced herself up a little to look at her husband. Idis's hair had snaked around her limbs and pulled her in close, and her fingers rested on Phoebe's back. Idis's hair pulled her back down. Yes, I'm fine. There was another long, awkward moment. Honey, that was an invitation to talk to me about whatever's going on inside your head, said Phoebe, a little irritably. I don't need to give you a fucking formal appointment every time. You should want to tell me what you're feeling, like an adult. Are you okay? Yes. Another long pause, and Phoebe throttled down in patience and discomfort, focusing instead on Idis, the feel of her skin, the touch of her hands. She continued to trace the tattoo, both the chrysanthemum and the dahlia over her heart. Idis's chest didn't move up and down, and her heart didn't beat anymore. King of the damned, thought Phoebe, shivering a little as the cold started to become uncomfortable. Since she ate Hyperion, death is my lover. The thought had been with her more than usual, more than usual, but just like usual, it immediately made her feel uncomfortable. I didn't want to come back, you know, Ida said finally. I never wanted to come back. I wanted to disappear. Well, you can't, snapped Phoebe, trying to still the knot of fear that that statement twisted up in her insides and feeling her breath catch a little. You have to stay here. Try to be happy. I know, Ida sighed and her long hair released Phoebe as gently as she gently moved her off her chest and rolled to sit on the side of the bed. I know you need me. I don't disagree with your methods. Part of me is even grateful. Idis's hair hung straight and loose as if defeated. It's just, eternity is a long time, Phoebe, a long time, and I'm so tired already. Don't whine, lover. It doesn't become you. Phoebe sat up and tried to finger-comb her hair back into place before giving up. Eternity isn't so long when you're with me, and Thunder, and Hurricane, and the others. You have your magic. You even have Hyperion. It'll be okay. The last was said almost tentatively, and she delicately placed a hand on Idis's pale shoulder. I promise, it'll be okay. We're together. You don't have to fight the Leviathans anymore. They're part of the Veil now. Their power flows to everyone. You don't have to do anything. Ida shrugged her shoulders almost angrily. At least before, people needed me to help them. I had a role, something to do. Now, now what? What are we even doing here, Phoebe? Why do we still exist? Why are we these, these freaks? She looked at her hands, her hair wrapping around her defensively. 
I don't know, Idis, said Phoebe, as carefully as she could. I don't know why we are still alive, or why we can do these things, or what we should be doing. She paused, seeing the new windows showing the view of her favorite section of the garden, all lit up with fairy lights and the movement of souls down the river Styx. But I don't think we can just leave, no matter how tired we are. She put her legs on either side of Idis and rested her chin on the other woman's shoulder. It's enough for me to know you're secure, safe, whole. That's enough, right? Another shrug from Idis. Phoebe smacked her lightly. Stop that. Thanatos is bringing you new books. You can walk the realms again now that you don't have to guard Tartarus. Zaman is already planning where to take you. She has the whole universe to explore with a flick of her fingers now that she's set up the world gate. You can do all those things. Hell, even managing the souls could be done with a few well-chosen spells. We could tie the river sticks into the Elysian fields and all the other plains. Souls could even choose for themselves where they wanted to go. It doesn't have to be you. A cold hand gripped her forearm, gripped the forearm Phoebe had flung around Idis's waist. I wonder, she trailed off. She seemed captured by the idea. Why not, said Phoebe, encouraged after a moment. Why not let souls choose their own path? You can let them pass into the river Styx to become one of the elementals, or stay in the city as one of the guardians. You could let them go to the river Leaf and be reincarnated. You don't have to make those decisions for them. But what if they choose poorly? Phoebe heard a hint of hope in her lover. The barest whisper of humanity that Phoebe had been afraid had been burned out, at, burned out of her with duty and responsibility. Well, then we'll help them. We just don't have to be here all the time. I mean, we could open up Underworld and Crossroads. It's beautiful here. Why not invite people to visit, to see their loved ones? The Shadow Realm could support a little tourist spot. A kind of giant inn, I guess, or a layover point for the dead and the living. Help people decide what they want to do next. She shook Idis a little. Wouldn't that be lovely? Think of it. All those people. The dead, the living, from all the realms. Here. We could entertain all those stories and help everyone. It would be fun. Why do we have to wait until they die anyway? Bring them all in for a nonstop party. Yes, said Ida slowly. There are more than enough guardians to help run something like that. The city would be a wonderful place for meetings, neutral ground, reunions for families, even if it was just temporary, across the plains. Phoebe nodded urgently against her shoulder. Yes, see, we wouldn't be judges then, just helpers. And people wouldn't be afraid of us, just grateful we can give them some time with their families. You know, it'd be good if they could pay for a stay, she gave a, a feral smile. No reason we can't run a decent business at the same time, and you know, it'll keep us on our toes. Idis's hair released her and slithered around Phoebe in an embrace. Phoebe, thank you for bringing me back. I'd never have thought of any of this. I would have just drifted in the same sad, boring patterns as before, hating myself and hating responsibility. Bah, she replied, secretly pleased. You take everything so seriously. You can still be in charge if you have some fun, and you can still take care of people without dictating every goddamn move they make. You'd think you'd be better at knowing stuff like that by now. Phoebe. Idis leaned her head back to rest against Phoebe's. I'm so glad you're home. 